What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. This is your host, Nate Bailey. And today we had an incredible guest just outside of just north of Detroit, uh, Michigan, uh, Mike Simmons. Mike is a real estate investor. He's got a great story. Uh, he's got a book as well that's out. And, and uh, there's an incredible offer for you guys to get a free copy of the PDF version if you text the two words, just start. Again, just start two words to 5544. You get a free copy of that from Mike for listening into this show. So always a great time connecting with him. I had a a chance to be on his podcast as well. And there's especially a lot of what we talked about absolutely translates to any business. But um, if you are in the real estate world or want to be in the real estate investing world, flipping, wholesaling, great conversation. He's a great wealth of knowledge. And uh, so with that, uh, before we get into it, make sure, as always, you check out my website as well for all the other episodes and different programs I have, free fa- Facebook group, Mastermind, 5-Day Unleash the Leader Within Challenge. You can check out everything that I'm up to at natebailey.org. That's my website, natebailey.org. And with that, we're going to get you over to the, the great and powerful Mike Simmons. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. Championship Leadership Podcast. We've got Mike Simmons here from just outside of just north of Detroit in Michigan, and uh, just had the opportunity to be on Mike's podcast not that long ago, just a few days ago, actually, just last week. And uh, so I'm excited he's back here to return the favor. How you doing, Mike? Thanks for being here. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate this very much. I'm, I'm excited to be here too. I can't wait. Absolutely. So, uh, well, let's kick it off. The first question I like to ask my guests is, championship leadership is the name of the podcast. What comes to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? You know, what comes to mind for me, and this is a learned lesson for me, I used to think that, you know, being a great leader was basically, you know, giving them the tools, pushing them hard and and everyone wins. But what I really learned is being a really great leader, championship leadership to me is, is giving your people what they need to make them successful. That's number one, but motivating them in a way that means something to them. So, you know, I'm an older guy. So I think back to like the eighties and nineties, and it was just like money, 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 like show them the money and they'll get, they're going to work for it. 
But the reality is nowadays, there's a lot of other things that matter to people. And I think getting to know your team, understanding what makes them tick and truly caring about what's going on outside of what they do for you to make you money or to make them money makes you a great leader. And I tell you what, my team and my company is so much stronger now that I've been able to like, every once in a while, take a breath, have a conversation that's just personal. It's not necessarily all about work and about what's next on the agenda to get done. That, I think that's what makes great leaders nowadays. Honestly, people want to have a connection beyond the nine to five. What's the grind? What do we got to do? What's the objective today? Like all that's important and it kind of implied, but if you don't, literally, if they don't think you give a crap about them, it's tough to have a team that would run through walls for you. And I think I have a team that runs through walls for me right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's great to hear. I think you're right. I, I've always found myself, I think, just naturally being that type of a leader where you do, you want to connect with them, get to know them, have a relationship with them. And uh, when you have that, like you said, they're just they're that more likely to actually go the distance for you or go that little extra that they might yeah. not otherwise. Uh, so yeah, that's great. Great point. What's, um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about you and, and your team and what it is that you do and, and kind of how you've gotten to where you're at. Yeah, for sure. So born in the Midwest, born and raised in Michigan, still live in Michigan. Um, father and, and uh, was in the automotive industry. He's a tool and die guy, if that means anything to anybody. But yeah. um, my mom, beautician, cuts hair, still does, frankly. <laughs> She's 75 and she still works full time. And I was kind of raised in that blue collar mentality. There were no entrepreneurs in my life. Nobody telling me to get out there and like figure out a business and, and make it grow. And this is how you motivate and lead people. It's like not, none of that. It was like, get a job with a union, yeah. a strong union, like work all the overtime they'll give you, grind it out and get to your 30, 35 years. And then you retire. And that's kind of how I was, I was raised. And that was what the direction was I was given. And right out of high school, I got that. I started working yeah. for UPS. So it was Teamsters, right? It was a good blue collar, you know, awesome job, a great company, frankly. But, and I thought that's where I was going to be. So I didn't go to college. I started to, but once I got the job at UPS, I'm like, what do I need these books for? Yeah. Like, I know where I'm going to be and they don't care about that. So I started working and, you know, I started there when I was 19. By the time I was 24, I needed a chiropractor uh, three times a week, a chiropractor appointment just to get out of bed Yeah, because I was so, my back was so wrecked. And, and so I realized, you know, I'm not stupid. I can't get out of bed. I can't do this until I'm 50 or 60 or whatever. So got a job in the automotive industry um, in a sales capacity. So sort of a white collar behind the desk job. Wasn't union, you know, so my dad wasn't exactly as psyched as he could have been, but it's still automotive. If you're in the automotive industry around here, nine out of 10 parents are psyched because that's just yeah. what, what everyone does. So right. I did that and started working there, worked my way up. This was now we're, we're approaching the year 2000 at this point in my life, and the automotive industry hit a hit a huge snag. I mean, just there was people were losing jobs. It just really tanked right right around that time, and I realized that I wasn't special in terms of my ability to find a job if I were to get fired. I'm I'm one of many, and there's nothing that makes me stand out. A little bit of experience, but no education, and yeah. and so I went back to school, went to college as an adult, and um, got my degree and. You know, started on the right track. I, I have blue collar. I was working my way up in a company. I doubled my salary. As soon as I got my, my degree, I, like, I applied for this job. I got it, doubled my salary. I'm like, I'm cloud nine. Now I know what I want. It's the corporate life I want. Right. I, I know the positions. I can see the positions and who has them. And that's what I'm gunning for. And once I was there for a handful of years, I was like getting to know these people who had the jobs I was trying to get eventually. They were miserable. They hated yeah. their life. They hated their wife. They hated their husband. They hated their kids. They hated everything about their life. And they were just, they were, they were slaves to the job. 
And I thought, my goodness, this is what I'm trying to get to. Like they're <laughs> way more miserable than I am. They make more, yeah. but they're more miserable. So I just started thinking like, what else can I do? What's out there? How do I do this? You know? And I just started looking up investing and kind of figuring out what I could do with my money that I had that would work for me, that I could get out of this nine to five grind. And, you know, I went, I gravitated towards stocks and the stock market and that kind of stuff. Didn't like that. And eventually stumbled on real estate and, and started really getting excited about real estate. And, you know, I, we could talk for 20 minutes about how I procrastinated and I spent five years and basically petrified like paralysis analysis meets fear, meets procrastination, meets excuses. And I just sort of like sat around for five years wanting to do it, but without the guts to do it. And yeah. I finally got off my butt, got sick of myself, got real disgusted with the, the like big you know, baby I was becoming about trying to hit something new and, and took a chance and did it. And, and, it, and the rest, it took off. I just, it was, it was where I needed to be in my, in my mind. Like I need to be an entrepreneur. I need to run a business. I need to build a team. I need to grow businesses. That's just what I need to do. And it was the first time in my life that I did something that felt natural to me. It wasn't like I was trying to cram a square, a square peg in a round hole. And so that's kind of like in a very big, in a nutshell, but that's, that's kind of where I came from. Yeah. So how, um, how long did it take for you to really say you get into real estate, but how long is it, was the transition before you really jumped in? Like, you know, and, and that was the thing that you did. So I did real estate on the side while I worked my nine to five for Mm -hmm. about four or five years, somewhere in there, about four, five, four, four and a half years. Yeah. And then I finally, you know, my wife was involved with me at the time. She was uh, kind of like a partner and we were, we did it together. And, um, you know, she's real conservative though. She, I know I made it, I, at the, at, by this time I was making pretty good money in the automotive industry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's just not a burn the boats kind of lady. It's just not her, yeah, yeah. her style. Right. So I, I finally figured out, I said, you know what, I'm doing well enough in this side gig. Like what if, what if I just saved a whole year's worth of salary, like put it in the bank for what I make in my automotive industry job. Uh-huh. And I put that in the bank and, and, the, and the industry was good at this point. Now the industry had rebounded and jobs yeah. were plentiful. And I said, if I don't make a go of this in eight months, that gives me four months to like get back and find another job and get back in the industry and, and sure. no harm, no foul, right? Yeah. If I save that year's salary, are you cool with me just quitting and going for it? She's like, yeah, of course. I mean, that's logic, right? She's smart lady. Yeah. Like, yeah, you got a year's salary, give it eight months, gives you four months to find a job, do it. I did it and I never looked back. I just, I destroyed that. I mean, I dwarfed that salary in a short amount of time because now I had eight hours of my day back, you know, that I I didn't have really when I was working at a nine to five job. So yeah, I never looked back and it was a good decision. Obviously, wish I'd have done it sooner, right? Everybody talks about regrets. I don't think it's healthy to have regrets, but I can't help being honest with myself and with you. I wish I had done it sooner. I was my, I was in my, late thirties when I started this journey. Yeah. Like, yeah, I wish I'd have done it in my late twenties. I'd be a lot. Yeah, yeah. What are you well, going to do? You know, I mean, we all uh, go down the path we do for a reason. That's right. There's something right. to that too. So maybe talk just a little bit more about, um, there's, I think there's about a million ways you can slice real estate investing. So yeah. what is it that you really specialize in? Yep. Good, good question. Um, so I started off as a house flipper. It's all I really knew. I, I knew what land, I knew what rentals were obviously, but I, I thought I don't have any money to have rentals. Like, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna do that? So I, I went the uh, flipping route, and I started flipping houses. And I had learned a lot because I spent that five years. I kind of quickly alluded to it, but I yeah. spent five years studying. So I, I had a lot of knowledge. I just wasn't doing it. 
So I started flipping houses. Um, first deal I did, we bought with a mortgage and we went all in on the renovation with our own money, our own savings, plus credit cards and anything we could scrape together, our own sweat equity. Like we did yeah. some of the work and flipped our first house and made $15,000. Now it's, it's good profit. Now, even then it was good. It's good now, yeah. but, but in Michigan back then, like you, we bought the house for $40,000. This was yeah. a three bedroom brick ranch, thousand square foot attached garage basement. Like it was a, in a nice, you know, blue collar neighborhood. Yeah. It's a nice, nice house. We we bought it for 40, put about 15 into it, sold it, made $15,000. Like we were like, holy crap. And maybe more importantly, cause I was convinced, my wife was convinced, but I'm a risk taker. Like I could have lost money in that first one and then yeah. relatively unfazed. I would have kept going. Right. But if we were lost money in that first one, we wouldn't be talking right now because my wife would have shut it down fast. Yeah. But we made yeah. money and she's, but to her credit, she's like, all right, that worked. That was, that was great. Go do more. Like, let's yeah. go, let's do yeah. this. Let's crank this up a little bit. Yeah. So that was all the encouragement I needed. I was like, yeah. okay, good. You know? So we started cranking it up and you know, we were trying to learn everything on our own, like very organically, which is fine. People, you can do that, but it was taking a while and I was making mistakes and I was like doing some dumb stuff. And one of the dumb things I did was doing all the work myself. Like, yeah, I was trying to do most of it myself and that's just not the recipe for scale for sure. And right. it's usually not even a recipe for profit. You know, you think yeah. you're making profits cause you're saving a little money, but it takes you yeah. 10 times as long and you don't yeah. do a good job. And I'm yeah. not a handyman. So, um, I learned to hire that stuff out and, and we started really, really cranking it up. And then again, man, for the sake of time, like we could have a five hour conversation, but yeah. it started going so well for me that I thought, I think I might just be a prodigy. Like anything I do is going to work. And it's just, <laughs> I don't even have to like even try that hard. So I got out of the real estate, like hardcore real estate. And I started another business with a partner that was not even really real estate. It was more in the health industry. Okay. And long story short, crashed and burned. I lost tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Total disaster. My wife said, you know, no mas, I'm out. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like this yeah. is too much stress, too much ups and downs, the risk of losing money. It's not, it's making me lose sleep. She's like, I said, you know what? I'm going to get back into real estate. Cause that's what I did do well. And I know that industry, I don't know this other industry. I never should have gotten diverted. I got a little yeah. bit ahead of my head, head over my skis a little bit. And she's like, do it, but I'm out. You do it. I support you. I love you. You're great. You're going to make a, a ton of money, but I just have to back out. And her backing out was good for her. But it also, like when we were doing it together, it would be like, I'm constantly pushing the gas and she's constantly pushing the brakes. Right. So it was like the stop right. start kind of an attitude. Yeah. When she backed out, it was all gas. And, and yeah. I just started buying properties and flipping them. And it started going really, really well. And we sort of took off. And um, yeah, so I was flipping houses and now I don't flip houses so much. Uh, probably about 10% of my business is house flipping. The other 90% is what's called wholesaling. So I do a lot of marketing. I do a lot of sales and we, we get contracts, we get things under contract, properties under contract, and we typically sell those contracts to other investors, wholesalers and flippers that are not wholesalers, I'm probably landlords and flippers who, who want these properties for their portfolios. Yeah. Uh, we sell to them. So that's what okay. we do a lot of right now. And I like it for me. I learned wholesaling, that model fits my personality because I'm very impatient. You can hear I'm talking fast even, but I'm very yeah, yeah. impatient. I like velocity. And flipping sometimes just took too long. Waiting three or four months to get you know something to churn was was frustrating. So now we get something under contract. We have a huge list of buyers who are dying for properties. We we sell that contract to them. We make a little money in between, and we move on to the next one. And it's like fast. Things flow okay. through our yeah. through our company very fast, and I like that. And so, how big is the team that you have? 
So right now, I think we have six or seven. It's not huge. We were up to 13 about a year yeah. and a half ago, and it was a little bloated. Didn't need all that. Um, plus, we went through the COVID, you know, the first part of COVID where you kind of course correct. And it's a good time to like look at your systems and make sure that you're not redundant and you right. don't have too many people. So we have six or seven now. So our team, the flow of our, of our work in our company is basically a marketing person puts out the marketing. Uh, that marketing produces a result. Usually it's a phone call, but sometimes it's a form fill or an email or something, but typically it, re it produces a phone call. So we have a couple people answering phones for us. Um, then that, that results in hopefully a lot of appointments. So we have two people, one main person, but a second person who goes out on appointments for us okay. and gets contracts. Uh, they bring those contracts back and give them to our dispositions person who handles taking that contract and then marketing it out to our buyers list, usually through email. We do texting and Ringless voicemail too, but mostly yeah. email. Um, and then that goes to a transaction team, people who handle that, those contracts, both from the sellers and the buyers. They take both contracts, bring them to a title company. And the title company, of course, has a million things they need before we can close. So that yeah. transaction team handles getting all the paperwork from the sellers and buyers, whether it be death certificates, uh, letter, uh, articles of incorporation from the buyers or death decrees, whatever it is, all the paperwork people need yeah. to close on deals. And, uh, and then that eventually gets sold. And then our bookkeeper handles, obviously keeping all the numbers straight because I'm not a numbers guy. I, I, can, I can crunch them. If I'm trying to look at a deal, I can evaluate. Yeah. But right. as far as like keeping records for the CPA at the end of the year, that's not something yeah. I should ever be involved in. And I'm yeah. not. So, um, so that's our team right now. It's, it's really a lot of sales and marketing, right? From, from, yeah, a, from a 10,000 foot view, I run a sales and marketing company. We just mm -hmm. happen to be in real estate. That's what yeah. we see the market. Absolutely. Well, talk, uh, who are some of the championship leaders that have impacted you along this journey? And uh, wow. what, what is it that stands out? Like, what are some of the characteristics that really stand out to you? Yeah, it's a great question. And it kind of bleeds into books. It's not necessarily always people yeah. I know that influence me. It's sometimes people you that bet. I've studied. So there's a book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Yeah. Um, big influence. It's how we run our company. We run it on the traction model. So. That was a big one for us. He also wrote a book called Rocket Fuel, which is something yep. that we utilize in our company. Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership. Jocko. Jocko fan. I had the Great pleasure guy. of speaking yeah. on the same stage as him last year. And I had dinner with him. him me awesome. and a bunch of, bunch of people, not just intimate me and him, but yeah. me and a bunch of people had dinner with him. I sat next to him at the dinner though, which is kind of cool because when the talk, talking dies down, you get this opportunity to have private conversations. So big influence on me, him and his team at Echelon Front. I mean, just the whole idea that it's you, man, it's you like, don't, yeah. don't point fingers. If something goes wrong right. in your company, it's like take ownership of it. So yeah. big influence over, over me. Um, my dad had influence on me. Sometimes it was kind of like negative influence a little bit, but I think sure. sometimes you're motivated and you learn from yeah. other people's mistakes. Absolutely. So it was a tough, tough, uh, childhood in terms of like discipline and things like that. But you know what? one thing it taught me is having that, you know, he was a Marine, uh, in, in a, and a tool and die guy, which is a, you know, hard nose kind of a job. Yeah. Kind of a biker guy too, on top of it, like just tough. And, uh, and I, I learned what hard work was like, I, you know, you can't tell me to do something and have me go, oh my, I've never done anything this hard before. Chances are I've done something much harder in my childhood. It's just, so you can't surprise me with hard work, which was good. Um, and then in my adult life, a couple people, but one in particular, a guy that really took, took me under his wing in terms of real estate. And, and he showed me what he did to be successful in his company. He had the company I wanted with the company culture I wanted with the right attitude, good family man, good Christian, like spent time with his kids. Like he's just a good example of what you want to be in life. And he kind of took me under his wing and said, this is what I did to build my company. This is how I structure things. This is what I did right and wrong. Mm 
And him doing that along with a few other people, but primarily him is what really allowed me to just take off like crazy. My business exploded. And that's the impetus of me writing my book. Like a lot of what's in my book is, is stuff that he taught me, you know? So he was a huge influence on me. And then, you know, my, my business partner right now has been a huge influence on me. He was right there for me when we were building our company and taking it from nothing to, to over a million dollars in profit. So that was huge. Um, and then, you know, another, another friend of mine, Bill Allen, he's a ex-military guy too, just kind of shown me a lot about business that, that I wouldn't have probably known without his help. So just yeah. people, you know, people always are, there's always people along, along the path of success that really had a big part to play. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, it's, I think it's important to, to take a second to kind of reflect on that. So thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. And, um, you know, what's, what's the vision for you and the uh, impact that you want to make over the next, let's say even short term, I don't know, I'll call short term the next five years or so. What's um, a lot can happen, of course, and change. A lot can happen, man. I wouldn't, five years ago, you couldn't, I couldn't have told you what I'm doing now, but yeah, it goes fast though. It's yeah, it goes time. fast. You know, for me, Maybe it's age. I don't know. Maybe it's just, I don't know what it is. But for me, the impact that I'm most focused on right now, aside, like I, I'm part of a mastermind. So we, there's a lot of folks in there that I have an impact on in a, from a mm -hmm. business standpoint. And I, I want to have a good impact on them. And I'm, I want to see their businesses grow. That's fun for me now to watch other people grow their business based off of partially my relationship with them. And that's been a blast to watch that. But honestly, having an impact on my kids. Like they're adults now, but I think there's like a whole different chapter in your life as a parent when your kids are adults. The, when they're kids, it's clear. Everyone knows that there's a part you have to play in a kid's life. I'm not the kind of parent that sort of says, oh, my kid's 18. Like they're on their own. They're on their own, right? I think, I think there's a lot of lessons that people can learn beyond the age 18, especially from their parents, if you take the time to be the role model. So the businesses that I'm building, the, the, the effect that I'm having on other people in my industry and helping them achieve their goals and their, get, be successful in their, what they want to be successful in, that's an example to my kids. Like I'm, I'm setting yeah. an example. It's not always like I'm sitting them down and having a, a lecture like I maybe did when they were kids about right and wrong, but I'm teaching them how to be adults by example. And that's, yeah. that's what's really important to me right now. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Big for me too. It's my being that example, just like you said. Um, well, let's talk about the turning point in your life, critical moment where you come to that fork in the road and had you made a different decision, you obviously made the decision you had, which has you where you are, but had you made a different decision, you could be in a very different place in life right now. I think those stories are always powerful for, for others to hear that are probably in those moments right now. Is yeah. there a moment that you can share with us? Yeah. I I'm assuming you mean professionally or you just mean in general? No, it could be in general. Yeah. Like just a big, a big moment that really yeah. shifted your life. So I, I, yeah. So I've had a few of them. Um, you know, it's as silly as it sounds, and maybe this isn't as relatable for some people because it's, it's a small percentage of people who do this. But when I started my podcast, honestly, that was a big decision for me at the time. Mm -hmm. It was a big investment. I, I actually paid, I paid this a high level, a big name person who had a podcast to, to mentor me in that capacity. So it wasn't cheap, but that decision, I've talked to my wife about this a couple of times recently, the decision to start my podcast in 2013, I can trace back 90% of the success I'm, I'm experiencing right now yeah. to the relationships that I made, to the connections that I made, to the things that I learned from folks that I, I interviewed on my podcast. 
I can, can, I can trace back 90% of the success that I'm having right now to that. If I hadn't started that podcast, yeah. I would be in a, a worldly, a whole different world of position to where I am right now, like not yeah. even close. So that was one decision. Um, something specific in my, in, my, in my business that happened is I told you I was a house flipper and now yep. I'm mostly not flipping houses, right? So something had to happen, right? What happened? Yeah. Why would you do that? And I was successful. Like I was having a lot of success flipping houses. But what happened for me was a couple of things is I had a, a business model that was very fragile at the time. It was, it was based on about 50% me and 50% other people that I relied on. They weren't even employed by me, but I relied on them. And one was a contractor and one was a realtor. And, and they had about 50% control over the success and failure of my business because I gave it to them inadvertently. Mm-hmm. And I had a one particular project that I was working on where both individuals kind of let me down and, and really screwed up and worse than screwed up because I can handle mistakes. That's, that's okay. But they didn't take ownership and kind of lied. The contractor lied to me, flat out lied to me. And the, the realtor was very like flippant about it. Like, oh, well, like, hey man, what do you want from me? Kind of a thing. And it was all his fault. Yeah. And, and he really should have, he should have taken more ownership. Yeah. And so I had to take ownership, right? This is way right. before I knew about yeah. Jocko, but I had to take ownership. And I said, I, I can't accept the, the attitudes and the responses you're giving me. I've got I've to find somebody else. And at the time, those are the only two people I had helping me. So as opportunities came across my desk, I just couldn't flip them because I didn't have a contractor, didn't have a realtor. And I just didn't have the resources at the time. So I'm like, well, I don't want to lose the opportunity to, to monetize this. I know I can monetize it, but I can't flip it. But I know a lot of flippers. I know everybody in my market yeah. who, who are also flipping houses. Yeah. And so I started reaching out to some of these folks and said, listen, I've got this opportunity, but I can't flip it. I didn't even know what wholesaling was, but I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. But I knew what I got my contract for. And I just told them I would, do, I would sell, I would let them close on the house themselves. And I just changed the price to 15,000 more than I paid just to see if they were interested. And yeah. they jumped all over it. And I made $15,000 in like a week and a half. And I was like, yeah. oh, that was fun. Yeah, so right. next one that came across my plate, I'm like, let me try that same exact move again. And I yeah. called the same exact guy and I gave him the same exact terms. And he did the same exact thing. He bought it. Like yeah. two weeks later, I closed on that one. I was like, wow. I just made $30,000 in yeah. like less than a month. And right. I didn't do anything. I mean, yeah, I did, yeah. but I didn't yeah. like have yeah, right. contractors and all this stuff. And I thought, what if I don't have contractors and realtors and being part of my world? What if I just do this, keep doing this? There's plenty of, of flippers in my market who need more deals. They're, they're telling me every time I see them, I can't find any deals. So yeah. Yeah. I switched my model over that day and said, I'm going to start just wholesaling these things out to these guys. They need them and I have them. So it's perfect, right? So I did. And that's when my business really took off. I mean, it took off a little bit when my wife and I decided ah, she's going to back out because I had nobody like it was nobody watching the coyote and the chicken house, so to speak. When yeah. my wife backed yeah. out, I was just like I was gorging right. on chickens. Yeah. And then but I was doing it in a model that wasn't perfectly suited for me. And once yeah. I found wholesaling and I had the freedom to go as fast as I wanted and the velocity is so much greater with wholesaling in terms of how fast things go in and out of your business, I absolutely went Hog wild, like I went crazy, and I and it just took off overnight. I loved it. I was happier doing it, and that was a big turning point. Yeah, it's huge. Thank you. Getting yeah, to know yourself is, is huge in business. Like who who are you, and what makes you happy? Don't just do right. it because somebody else does it. Like you see yeah. flipping, you see flipping shows. That like if you hate the process, don't do it. But figure out what you do like. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And I didn't hate the process, but I just didn't love it. But yeah. I love the yeah. process I'm doing now, and that shows. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm familiar with wholesaling, but I, you know, I never, I've been kind of the buy and hold guy for a long time, which I don't, I don't mind. Um, yep. And I do that too. I like that too. Yeah. It's good. It has its place. So yeah, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, gives a different perspective on what wholesaling is and how how that works. Yeah. But appreciate that. That's a is a big shift for you. Yeah. So um, as we start to wrap this up, what what would be you know, if there are one or two things that you could share with the listeners that if they were to implement today, it would help move their life forward today. What would, what would that be? I mean, I think in, in life, something that will help move your life forward. And this is something that I, I'll be honest, I struggle with it. Even today, I struggled with it and I'm, I'm much better at it than I was, but I think it's something that holds people back. And it's, for me, it's a mixture of procrastination and, and uh, just wanting to do too many things and not being able to organize my brain to know what is priority. Sometimes if I don't know what priority is, my default is to do things that are not even close to priority, like the things I want to do. Like I have a, a whiteboard with lists of things I want to do. I'll cherry pick the ones that I really want to do. But so for me, it's picking three things to do every day that I need to get done or a few days in advance or maybe in a week in advance I do sometimes. So I have this list of 20 things. I go on Monday, these three things I'm going to get done. Come hell or high water, that's what I'm going to do. And if I pre-plan my days like that, I find that I get distracted and I stray far less than if I don't plan my day. I wake up and go, okay, what am I going to do today? It's yeah. never a good result. So I pre-plan my days and I think that that's a huge thing. For me, whiteboards work. Could be age, could be whatever. I've tried every app in the world and I just, I don't, it doesn't work for me. Whiteboards work because they're in front of me all the time. Yeah. That's huge. Now in business, I would say one of the things that worked for me, two, two main things I can tell you that made all the difference in me going from very, maybe little revenue to a lot of revenue was tracking my numbers, knowing my numbers, right? I, I know when money's going in and going out, but like truly know my numbers at a more granular level. How much am I spending in marketing? What marketing channels am I using? How many calls is that generating? How many appointments are those calls generating? How many contracts are those appointments generating? What's my average contract value? Like basic numbers like that so that I know the health of my business. Yeah. Because money going in and money going out doesn't mean anything. You could be losing money, right? You right. can be rowing a boat, but there's a hole in the back and you're sinking as you row, like doesn't work. So that's huge. Knowing my numbers was big. And then the other thing was building an actual team around me of people who are better than me at every, every you know, single individual aspect of my company. Because I can do everything in my company. I'm just not great at everything in my company. I'm okay. And yeah. I got to a point. But if you want to get beyond where you are and you feel like you're sort of hit a limit and you're at capacity with what you can physically do, it's time to think about bringing people on. And sometimes that's commission-based. So it doesn't necessarily cost you if they're not helping you generate revenue. Um, could be part-time, could be VAs, but Whatever it is, you need to start building a team sooner than you think in most instances. Most people think, oh, I'm not big enough. I'll do that next year. I'll do it next year. But truly, when you think you might need to hire somebody, chances are you should have already hired them. That's yeah, the right. philosophy that yeah, I yeah. typically find is true. So yeah. start thinking about building a team around you of people who are just better than you at certain things. And, and you'll find when I brought in a sales guy, like I did sales in my company for years and yeah. I, was, I was okay. I, yeah. I was I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And I, I found that <laughs> right. out when I brought a sales guy in who that's what he does. That's who mm -hmm. he is and what he does. He lives, eats, breathes, sleeps, sales. You bring somebody like that in your company and watch yeah. the sales happen. And I was amazed yeah. at how much better he was than I was. And I, I had to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm not nearly as good as he is. So this yeah. is what yeah. it looks like to bring in a specialist. So that's important. 
I love those. Yeah. Thank you. That's great. What's, um, what are a few ways we can follow you, your podcast, everything else that you got going on? Yeah. The podcast is just start real estate. Uh, you can, you can put that into your podcast, whatever you listen to it on iTunes or your Spotify, whatever. Um, so you can get me there. Um, or, uh, you can hop on Amazon and grab my book called level jumping. It is the whole story of how I went from doing very little to doing a ton and what I implemented and how I went about doing that. A lot of it with the lessons I learned from the guy, Andy, who took me under his wing. Um, but it's all in the book. It's very, it's very business centric, not necessarily just real estate. There's real yeah. estate anecdotes, but it's more about business in general. Um, or you can shoot me an email at Mike at just start real estate.com. And if you're interested, um, Nate, I can, I can give them a way to get the book for free. If they don't want to buy it, they can, they can just download it, a digital yeah. version of it. So the digital great. version can be gotten if you text the words, two words now, it has to be two words, just start. So it's like my podcast, the words just start, two words, to 55444. So 55444, text the words just start. I'll send you a free digital download so you can consume it. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll make sure we get that in the show notes too. So anyone that's... Uh... Can't remember that or is driving. It'll be in the show notes so you there can you get back to it. So I appreciate you today, Mike. Thank you so much. It's yeah. been great to have you on. And uh, uh, I know we'll stay connected. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's been a blast. I appreciate the opportunity. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera, I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable. From my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage, it's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader, I'm gonna lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. I said it, then I meant it, I probably already did it. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this championship leadership podcast. Hey, baby. Championship, championship, championship.